If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Look, I'll take a moment to tell you I appreciate uh, those that I hear from, whether it's through email or through the website. There's a form you can fill out there as well. Do my best to respond as quickly as possible and Always good to hear from you. Thanks to, to those of you who send your thoughts, opinions, feedback, what you think about the program, even a little bit of adoration or praise. I'm teasing, but it's good to uh, good to hear from you, and it's good to be here this morning. You know, today I want to do something different. I want to do something different. Yesterday I had the good fortune of attending an event called the Hoosier Leadership Series. It's an event that um, is developed and led by a friend of mine. He's a, uh, a state senator here in Indiana. Um, his name is John Crane. He's actually filled in on this program a time or two. I know it's at least once. It might have been a couple times. I've had him on the program as well. And he's uh he and I share a lot of the same beliefs. I think he's a upstanding, high quality, uh very sincere conservative and Christian brother as well. And so I, you know, um for the past two years now, I've had the fortune of good fortune of uh, meeting with the group, and they go through. I think it's an eight month program, and they do some cool stuff. Um, and yesterday we met at one of the government buildings in uh, downtown Indianapolis, and we were talking about conservatism in general, conservatism as a as the ideology, some of the the problems, I don't say problems, not with the ideology, but just some of the problems we face as conservatives, some of the things, um, you know, I mean, the the fears conservatives have as far as identifying as a conservative. In fact, uh, Senator Crane uh, shared a story that he had, um, you know, he had, after one particular phase of the event it might be after he completes each event he and his wife have dinner at a a certain certain restaurant 
And apparently there was a couple that could overhear the two of them speaking and the lady leaned in and kind of whispered, I just want you to know that I'm a conservative too. And she was almost whispering it. And that's kind of how a lot of us feel. Now, some don't. I don't mean to imply that everybody's timid, but there is a a degree of, of timidity sometimes, of fear, of uncertainty. And I don't want to say it's unjustifiable. You look at you look at the way folks are treated if they're found out to be a conservative. That's I mean, conservatives are painted as racist, as sexist, as basically Neanderthals. You know, these are people who are well, we're just we're not smart enough to keep up with the liberal ideology of the day. And it's almost as though we're constantly we're always on defense. We're playing defense against the um, the, the the in in the debate, so the the terms are set by the other side, which of course that's done with the help of the of the media. This is where we have, um, you know, the, the the terms are important. In fact, I referenced this yesterday. You know, we we've gone from if someone's in this country illegally, this just this is just an example. Someone's in this country illegally, they are now an undocumented worker instead of. An illegal alien because no human being can be illegal. That's how they explain that. Um, it's no longer the life of an unborn child, at least in popular culture. It's the, you know, the uh, an early stage fetus or something, something that dehumanizes the humanity of the life in the womb. And you could go on on down the line. As to, you know, they have, their ideology is progressive, right? Their their ideology is moving us towards better things constantly. They paint conservatism. That's another thing. We didn't get into this yesterday. We talked about a lot of things. But one of the things is conservatism is just flat out misunderstood to where, and I I even heard well-educated people explain, you know, Liberals like change, and conservatives want to hang on, want to hang on to tradition. You know, when I attended Butler University back in the 1850s, but when I attended Butler University, we had we had to take this uh, class. This everyone had to take it. It was called we called it CNT, Change and Tradition, and so we studied cultures. Um, throughout world history, around the world, I know we talked about China. We talked about uh, the French, uh, the French Revolution. I don't know different. Uh, I think we talked about Nigeria, but we we went through these cultures. We went through the cultures and societies that had quote unquote changed, and those that were built upon tradition and still had largely. And of course, there were all, there's always changes. I mean, the world changes, right? Different superpowers arise and different conflicts develop and different technology hits the scene. But by and large, the civilizations and the cultures, some of them were built upon tradition and and they are still largely the same in, in a lot of ways as they have been for centuries, maybe even longer in some places. And then there's others that, that went through radical tra- transformation, even revolution, and so, but it's just interesting when you think about these things, the, um, the way that the, the societies and the cultures that change often are portrayed is that they're, 
changing for the better, right? Progressivism is kind of built upon this notion that wherever we are today, the only way to improve is to change. Well, not if we've stumbled upon truth, right? So for you, I don't mean stumbled upon. Sometimes it's deliberately identified and a foundation of a government is built upon that truth, which is what our founders did. Our founders did this. Our founders understood how governments had abused power over history. Our founders understood human nature and how man has the propensity when he or she achieves positions of power that they become corrupt. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so there's this uh, – but there's this notion almost with progressivism that in order to improve, we have to we have to change. We have to change some things, right? But it's like – truth is like – to me, it's like riding a bicycle. When we find something that is properly balanced, properly balanced uh, this idea, this concept, say, say freedom of speech, for example – which I think is a fundamentally, you know, we, we've hit the mark on that. Now, I will say that it's not an application handled appropriately in our in our world today, in, in America today. People are trying to be silenced by all sorts of people from social media to government officials and so forth. But freedom of speech is something where we've we're balanced, we've properly balanced and we've we've found the right formula, at least theoretically in this nation with how the founders wrote the Constitution, how the courts are interpreting it, how the social media, and I know social media is not the government, but how they've not really embraced, where they've really, you know, they've not embraced the idea of, of free exchange of ideas. In fact, they've targeted, and we've seen this from Project Veritas in their latest undercover video with Facebook, how some of the folks that are, in charge of policing content, say that they take great pleasure in targeting conservatives. It's not funny, but it's just amazing to see the... I always wonder when I watch these these Project Veritas videos. I'm thinking, have these guys never seen these videos before? Have they never seen what happened with Planned Parenthood or these other groups that have been exposed by Project Veritas? And And then I think... Maybe it's such a normal course of, of, you know, a normal conversation to talk with someone every day about how you're targeting conservatives that they don't even think about it, which then makes me think it's even worse than the video makes it look to be because they're having these conversations each and every day about how they take great pleasure in silencing conservatives. But my point is when our government, when our society finds something that works and that's good and that's as close to – uh, you know, the Constitution says in order to form a more perfect union. We know we can't reach perfection, but, but when we find something that's really close to the mark, you don't want to radically change that. You don't want to radically move away from something that's really – it might need to be, you know, a tinkered with to get closer to the – to what true liberty is or, uh, you know, the, the best way that – we can live this side of heaven. There might be some tink. I don't mean tinkering, like, you know, maybe come up with the, maybe there's something that's illuminated as we've gone through this process of building our culture and society. And we think, you know what, this is really what 
I want to add one tiny element to what it really means to be, to have free speech. And we can just move it a little bit closer to really the, the most, um, really to truth. And so it's like riding a bicycle. That doesn't need to be, when you're, when you're cruising along and in perfect harmony or as close as we can get to perfect harmony with these, these ideas, you don't want to radically transform them. Change does not mean, change is not something that's automatically good. In fact, I could list for you this morning countless examples of bad changes, right? I mean, change is not necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad either. Turns out it depends. Depends what the change is. And so there's misconceptions about conservatism. There's misunderstandings, sometimes deliberate and intentional, other times completely innocent because people just don't know better because they've been told or sold a a bag of goods that turns out to be falsely advertised. And it's our job to correct the record. When somebody is uh, mischaracterizing who we are, what we believe, we need to make sure that we correct the record. But there's a way to do that. And I think this is this is what we kind of – where we settled yesterday at this Hoosier Leadership Series meeting. And it was a conversation. John and I were – kind of leading the conversation, but but the group of about, I don't know, 30 people or so, they were responding with their ideas and thoughts and some really good things. Um, and it actually reminded me of what we're doing with our conservative, not bitter university, um, which is something that um, we're working on to help conservatives get better at this. I mean, it doesn't matter if we just – bear with me because part of this is you – know, when I first say this, you might think, what's he talking about? But it's not simply about embracing the right ideology. It's not simply about embracing the Constitution, though those things are important. We have to then, folks, we have to then figure out how do we carry that light. I mean, Reagan said that freedom is one generation away from extinction, and it is. Freedom doesn't have grandchildren. I mean, freedom is something we have to vigorously defend, pursue, and pass on to the next generation. We have to be able to articulate it. We have to be able to explain why it matters. You know, I've, I've always marveled at this, and for those of you in business, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from here, and even from those for those of you who aren't business owners, but... For the entrepreneur that starts a business, his or her, one of his or her, in my opinion, greatest fears is what happens whenever I've got to step away? What happens? Because a lot of times they're hand, handed down to children. And look, I know there's some out there listening to my voice now. You might be the second generation or the third generation. And this is not a universal concept. But I'm telling you, as one who's an entrepreneur, this is something that I relate to and those that are the first generation entrepreneurs that I know would tell you that they relate to as well. Because the next generation, though we've told the stories, though they've seen the business grow and all this sort of stuff, there's ne- they never can quite understand what it was like when it was kind of a wing and a prayer, so to speak. And that those struggles that form us, those struggles that have prepared us to you know, push the business forward and to fight through and to make improvements and all these things. The second and third generation sometimes don't even know the stories of that. 
And that is, if you don't know the full story and the sacrifice of how it was made, and this is of no fault to that next generation, there's just something that gets lost. And if someone, if, if the next generation doesn't care at all, then really, really bad things can happen because they just, you know, there's this mindset that says, well, everything's fine. You know, we, we've navigated these things before, but unless you were there navigating them up all night, trying to figure out how you're going to pay payroll or make ends meet, unless you've lived through that and felt those pressures and uncertainties and you were forced to your knees to, to pray to God, and I mean that in a good way, literally you and God or God was all that was left for those of us that are Christian, Christian business owners. And so there's something that's lost. And I think in a similar way, there's something that's lost as we've as as generations of Americans have passed on these these concepts and ideas to the next generation of of Americans to where some in this culture and society just think everything's cool and fine and it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how far we deviate from truth. I don't think they even think about it like that. It's just that life has been made easy because of the sacrifices made by those before them. They don't understand what it really took. I don't understand. Look, I study these things. I can understand to a point, but there's a also a huge gap in my ability to understand because I didn't have to go through the revolution or the civil war or World War One and Two and deal with worrying about. I mean, you know, things like I mean, part of the Cold War. I, I was alive during the end of the Cold War, worrying about nuclear war and that sort of stuff and tensions and Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean. Those things, those things shape and strengthen the resolve and the determination and the will of the generations that were before us. And we've got so much prosperity, and I know the economy's bad and COVID and all this stuff now, but, but we built this society, this culture, this nation to a point where things were relatively easy, right? I'm not saying – but you know what I mean. Like just our standard of living was so high. Technology is so – prevalent um there's there's so many opportunities for people and i don't want to get into the whole fights that we're having about things right now and i'm not not speaking to those things i'm just speaking in generalities and we've all embraced this we've all benefited from this and some some have not really had to sacrifice for it and so there's some really crazy things happening that's why people can embrace marxism because they think hey this sounds better they don't realize that it's the antithesis of what this nation was built upon and that this nation was built upon an idea. And if we deviate and change that idea, if that's what happens, then we do that enough, then what we have can actually get worse and ultimately, God forbid, collapse. Anyway, really, really, really long in this segment. Got to take a time out. Continue this discussion here after the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So talking about conservatism, and I'll tell you here off the top, uh, this is a shorter segment because I was long-winded that last segment, which can happen from time to time, as you can attest to for those of you that have listened to this program for any any length of time. But um, this, this idea of, of what conservatism is 
how it's misunderstood, sometimes intentionally so, misrepresented. And really our job um, in communicating what it is. And we, again, I was referencing a a meeting. Uh, uh, yesterday I was helping to facilitate a discussion at the Hoosier Leadership Series in downtown Indianapolis, which, by the way, that's something else. I hadn't been downtown Indianapolis, so I walked a little bit. I parked in a garage that was a few blocks away and got to see the beauty of the riders, what we were dealing with downtown. Um, Indianapolis in many ways looked like an abandoned ghost town or something that was about to be uh, struck by a hurricane. Lots of boarded up windows, lots of um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd seen a little bit of busted glass uh, out in front of, I forget which restaurant it was on on Maryland Street, um, and lots of boarded up. I mean, everything was boarded up. In fact, I went into one of the when I'm out. Sometimes I it, instead of driving, it's and I've got work to do. I'll just find a place that's got internet, and you know, I I work from there so that I can get stuff done, and then. I don't like to waste time during the day driving. If I'm being, I, I like to to get the work done and then hopefully not have to bring that home. But anyway, um, I went into an establishment there that had internet. You wouldn't have known from looking at it that this place was opened. I mean, completely, completely boarded up. This place had been hit by the rioters. Of course, they had windows busted out. That's why they were boarded up and. They had things stolen off of their wall. They had other things stolen from the restaurant as well. But anyway, I hadn't been I hadn't been down there. I'd seen some pictures, but um, not not a good sight. And that's happened. I don't know. That's several weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I think. Now, anyway. So, but we're we're there. Yeah, I was there for helping to fil- uh, facilitate a discussion about these things because, look, if America is built upon an idea, which it is. America is built upon an idea, and again, given the climate and one of the discussions and debates and issues that we're having today, this fight over over race, the tensions over race, Black Lives Matter, bringing up slavery, and uh, the problems that this nation has had historically with its treatment of black Americans, that is an issue that the founders clearly got wrong, really, really wrong. And slavery is evil and reprehensible. So I'm not including that in in my praise for what the founders got right. The founders got right included things like free speech, freedom of assembly, which, by the way, I just referenced riots. The riots were not an exercise of the freedom of assembly. They violated the uh, peaceable, right, to peaceably assemble. They They violated that part of that important idea. Even though tough guy Chris Cuomo can cannot find anywhere in the Constitution or anywhere else for that matter this concept that you have to be peaceful to be a protester. But I digress. But these these ideas about you know the protections we have in the Fourth Amendment, the freedoms that we, uh, the natural God given right to protect ourselves from other people or from our government by having the Second Amendment in place. It's not just there so that we can hunt and have shooting competitions, that's just patently silly if you think about it. I mean, why else would they put... Is there any other games that the founders wanted to make sure they put in the, into the Constitution? And it just kind of hit me as I said that. They, they, didn't, they didn't put it in there so that we could 
you know, make sure that skeet shooting was passed down for generations, right? They, they put it in there because they were, they had seen what happened. They, they understood what governments would do when people did not have the ability to fight for their freedoms, to defend themselves. And it was important, of course, as a God-given right that we can defend ourselves, not just from the government, but from someone who's trying to, to bring us harm. And that's an important aspect of the, of the Second Amendment as well. Freedom of religion, right? Um, the church will, or excuse me, the state will not establish a, an official church that's not a government role. And people can attend uh, church service or not. They don't have to believe in anything. They can choose never to darken the doors of a church if they so desire to do so. They're free. This is not the job of the government, but religion can operate freely insofar as it's not you know, calling for the direct harm or criminal activity against somebody else. I mean, that's obviously um, something that's got to be enforced. You can't – you see this happen from time to time. I remember there's one church, Church of the – Church of the Cannabis or something, where there was a church in Indy. That wasn't a church. They The whole thing was they wanted to smoke dope, so they came up with this idea. Okay, let's make a church because the, the, the Supreme Court has been very um, graceful in extending, you know, protecting things that religious groups do. So maybe they can allow us to smoke dope if we say it's part of our faith. Well, how long has your faith been around? Eh, about two months. <laughs> And what's really the central theme? I'll be honest, man. The central theme is we want to smoke dope. That's kind of how this comes about. But the point is the founders the founders created this marvelous country based upon these fundamentally true ideas, things that, things that we have naturally, these liberties that were given to us by our creator. These came directly from God. And they, they enumerated some, not all of those, and they built a government designed – to limit the powers, to separate those powers, and to give people a voice. It's not a pure democracy. It's a constitutional republic. But certainly there are aspects that could fall under the umbrella of democratic. So it's not a pure democracy. They understood the tyranny of both the minority and the majority, and they wanted to establish a philosophically sound government based upon truth and rooted in ideas of that, that are very sound. And they did that. And so we deviate enough from that. We deviate enough from that. The things, the blessings, the prosperity, the goodness that has come through the United States of America, those things can eventually, you deviate far enough from the ideas that got us here, folks. It's just like that, as I mentioned earlier, the second generation, third generation business owners that's been passed through a family, they deviate far enough from what the original founder set in place. I'm not saying they cannot make improvements. Don't misunderstand. Of course they can make improvements. Sometimes they take, sometimes the entrepreneur isn't the one that can build the infrastructure to really make the business grow. They can get it from point A to point D, but they can't get it to point R. And they need someone that can help with certain things. Likewise, there's things we can improve upon without fundamentally changing the basis by which we got here. And again, long in this segment, I want to go through the rest of this hour. I want to talk about maybe some ways to persuade, to have conversations with people. Because if we don't pass along these ideas, this great constitutional republic that we have is at risk, is at risk. And so what I'm going to share with you now is some of the things that we will cover 
in conservative, not bitter university, only in much more detail, much more of a of a course atmosphere where we try to teach specific uh, elements and skills and details as to some of these points. And some of these things are won't be specifically covered, and some will be covered in great detail. But I want to go through some of these things, ways that we can become more persuasive, why this matters, which I've kind of laid out already. I hope that it's clear. Uh, but this this nation needs to pass on the freedoms we have because freedom, as Reagan said, is always one generation away from extinction. So sit tight. We'll continue this when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about this into the next hour as well. So this is a good time to remind you that we continue Hour 2 on YouTube. You can watch Hour 2 there. You can also subscribe and get exclusive access to the program uh, through our website, through Total Access. Go to ToddUpShow.com slash Total Access, and you can can, uh, listen to the program online through that, uh, through total access as well. But anyway, I want to I want to share with you some things that look. I think I think a lot of people. I think it's good that we have an interest in learning and understanding, right? It's it's good for us to want to come down on the constitutional side, as I would say, the constitutionally conservative side of an issue. I think that that's vitally important, but. Again, I don't think, and this isn't to be a nitpicker or to put too much pressure on people, but that, folks, that's not enough. I've said before, when I elect a member, you know, not that I elect them, but when, when I cast a vote for someone to be our representative or senator or whatever, it's and, and I vote for the most conservative person that I can or that can win, when we do that, um, I... It's not enough for in my mind for that person just to cast the the right vote, the the vote that's in um, in alignment with constitutional conservative principles and values. That's that's not enough for me, and that may sound a little greedy, but what I mean is I want someone out there carrying the 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 mantle. I want someone with the metaphorical bullhorn. Now, I don't want them to be obnoxious, but I want them to be persuasive. And I want them to communicate what's really going on. It's not enough, again, just to, to cast the right votes. I want them to you know, be assertive in applying a healthy amount of pressure and helping to lead the way on these issues for their colleagues. I mean, it's amazing to me how much fear exists, even amongst elected officials, people that started off in many cases as very principled conservatives, and then they get into the positions of power and they begin to cower they cower because of the media because of the negative coverage because of whatever it is i mean part of that is they got to toughen up but another part of that is they need good leadership and so i want our guys our girls in there leading the charge like being the the lead blocker 
being the fullback through the a you know through through the a gap or whatever i want them to lead that charge and to to try to persuade others to follow to articulate and to communicate and in a similar fashion that's what i want to see more consistently from conservatives now we're all different right not everybody can be a senator or you know have a blog or whatever facebook page that's got tens of thousands of followers or a podcast or talk radio show that's all that's not what i'm saying i'm simply saying wherever you're planted figure out who's in your sphere of influence and who you can inf- how you can influence them how you can persuade them towards accepting constitutionally conservative values it's in a similar way as a christian it's 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 how we think about sharing our faith as well. Of course, people have the freedoms to say no to these things, but it's important that we think about deliberately how we share these things, how we communicate about these things. And there's a process. I think it needs we need to think about it a little bit. And I'm not implying no one thinks about it, but I don't think enough. I think a lot of people just think, you know, I'm going to go about my business. And that's a look, that, that's something that I applaud. You know, not people who are busybodies. They, they put the, their nose to the grindstone, stay out of other people's business. But, folks, we've got to find a way to pass that mantle on to the next generation. You know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. And we've got to get more deliberate and more intentional about this. And so I want to talk about some things that I've learned and I can explain the things that I've learned as far as or why I've learned them. And I can maybe go into that a little bit. But there's some principles, I think. And it's not all about knowledge and education. I know, I know there's a hesitation from some because they think, I don't want to talk about that because someone might know more about it than me and then I'm going to be stupid. Well, if you have enough to convince yourself to be a conservative, you've got enough to at least engage in some level of conversation. I'm going to tell you, truth is on your side, my friend. Truth, philosophy, you know, where the, the history, what the founders put in place wasn't just haphazard. It was deliberately decided upon, deliberately chosen and built and established. And so you're on the good side of this. It's the other side that you have to worry. It's the side that wants to talk about whether it's bigger government or complete anarchy, wherever these folks fall on the spectrum. They're the ones that are on the side of lunacy. They're the ones that don't have history on their side. They're, those are the ones who don't understand human nature. These are the ones that just simply haven't learned the lessons of history and have, um, haven't uncovered true philosophical truth, fundamental truth in their ideology and platform. So continue talking about this again. This is going to go into hour number two. If you want to continue hearing this, uh, be sure to just follow us on YouTube. That's where we'll be. Uh, after the top of the hour but a couple more i got a little bit more time to do it this segment or excuse me this hour so um anyway just want to do that take a quick time out come back and continue this discussion in just a minute welcome back so we're talking about trying to persuade for conservatism, and I don't have time to get into this very much, but I, since I've talked about it and we're, I don't have much time here in this hour, we're going to continue this conversation on YouTube, hour number two, but, but I want to um, point out a couple of things that I've learned, and I learned this through 
well, just life in general through um, my past experience uh, being a salesperson. Um, I learned this through debating in, in college when I was the one conservative and uh, at American University, and the rest of the students either were quiet or were disagreeing and attacking me. But there's some things that we need to do, and I'm going to say the first thing that we need to do and I heard this yesterday, which made me feel good. The first thing we have to do is to listen and to exercise empathy. I know that that rubs some people the wrong way. I'm not saying to compromise truth. I'm not saying to agree with what someone's telling you. I'm simply saying as a human being, as a human being, if you want to persuade someone, you first have to understand where they're coming from, get to know them. They're a person. They're an individual. They're not some you know, um, theoretical number. They're not some, uh, you know, inanimate object. They are a human being. Yes, they may have been sold a bag of goods by some radical leftist. Yes, they may have a really distorted worldview. But until you understand them, build a bond with them, a relationship with them, until they know that you care about them. And I'll tell you this too. Actually, maybe the starting point I would say is actually genuinely love and care for the person. Genuinely just think about it from their perspective. Don't think about it as a conversion. A conversion. Don't think about it as, you know, chalking up a, a point for someone that I convinced. Don't think about it as winning an argument. Think about it as explaining and articulating truth. Think about it as persuading them to accept something that is truly better for them because it's it's rooted in truth. It's rooted in the way that God created this world to work and created us to live this side of heaven. Not that it's perfect. Again, I'm not saying that everything and I'm not, I don't want to I don't want people to think that they have all the answers either because there's plenty of things that none of us know. That none of us know, but we do know that a government that's too big and too powerful is too dangerous. We know that that hurts average people. We know that that hurts their ability to get a job, make a living, save, um, and those sorts of things. We know these things. It's oppressive at some point when your government gets beyond a certain size and it takes away our freedoms and liberties. We know these things. So let's stand pure and let's stand firm, I should say, for that. But when someone disagrees, let's first listen, understand why, get to know them, show empathy, wait, take your time. Don't don't just immediately get into a knockdown, drag out metaphorical brawl here. I mean, how many times is that really? I mean, there's a time to use. For, I mean, to be forceful if you're being threatened and someone's life and liberty is at stake. But this is, I mean, this has happened so rarely in this society. Our job is to persuade, not not to win a cage fight here. So I think that you know we should wait sometimes to earn the right to share our beliefs. And I got some things to say about that next hour. I just in in, in laying the background here and, and setting this up, I've I just I don't have time to get into all this here, and I'm sorry for that. But we'll do this in hour number two, which you can see on YouTube, um, or of course listen to on the radio as well, or at Total Access. But I got to take a break. Continue this discussion, wrap up hour number one when we get back. Sit tight. See you in a minute. A 
folks this is about all the time i have hour number one if you were interested if you want to be a more persuasive conservative if you want to be better and and explore ways and ideas and principles and things that i've learned even get a little bit of i guess coaching um from me just things that i've i've experienced and learned along this journey that i'm on if that's something that's of interest to you and you want to move the needle for conservatism that I encourage you to check out our conservative, not bitter university. You can learn more. It's something that it's it's we're launching here in the not too distant future. But um, you can get on the list now to get information about that when it's ready to launch. All you have to do is text the word course c o u r s e course to eight 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 one 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 you know what you can also email me just email me tatatatashow.com and just put cnbu conservative not bitter university in the headline the subject line and i'll be sure to add you to that list as well but guys get a wrap of hour number one see you on hour number two sdg